1: This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. Anyone who's ever had a pet knows how much better they can make you feel. They're there to play and cuddle and just watch the world go by with you. And when you think about a service animal, it's a different vibe, you know? The ADA says a service animal can only be a dog, which is individually trained to do work or perform tasks for the benefit of an individual with a disability. Sure, these animals are probably buddies with their humans too, but this is a dog with skills that your shih tzu couldn't dream of. No shade to shih tzus. But in between a pet and a service animal is a third category, emotional support animal. They can be any animal, really, and they don't need any special training. By definition, they help people with mental health or psychiatric disabilities. But the eye rolls and reactions people are getting when they're out and about with their emotional support animals can be less than helpful. I'm not kidding. This woman is wrangling her peacock into the airport. Right now, wrangling a peacock in the airport. It's emotional support. <laughs> yep. That just happened like the hell New York. I ask our guests today about this tension because they all have uncommon emotional support animals. One woman's sugar glider not only helps her, but her brother with autism. And you'll hear the story of how one woman's emotional support pig was so effective that he rendered his services obsolete. But first, meet Cynthia Zoe. She wasn't even looking for an emotional support animal when she met Mew, a homing pigeon. It was 2016. Cynthia was experiencing a major depression so bad that she stopped attending most of her college classes She happened upon the social media page of Palomacy Pigeon and Dove Adoptions, based out of San Francisco, posting about this homing pigeon named Mew. Mew was found neglected in the home of a woman who had recently died, so the surviving family just opened up a window and let Mew out. But because this was a domesticated pigeon, she really didn't have a ton of survival skills. She was eventually found and brought to Palomacy. Cynthia and Mew spent five years together until Mew's death in late 2021. She got a new pigeon last year named Ego, but it was really Mew who changed everything. So what was Cynthia thinking when she said yes to Mew? I just thought this
0: bird has had a rough time. She seems like a bird that I would like to take a chance on. And I never had a pigeon before. I had been following them, so I got a general sense of their care. But Palomacy, I mean, they were so welcoming. They walked me through all of the care. They um, personally visited me to make sure that my home was OK as a space for me to live in. And so it was just like it was completely unexpected. I never really thought like, you know, in the future, I want to adopt a pigeon. But it just happened that we saw Mew's story. It resonated with me. I thought I'm going to take a chance. And the day she came home for the first time, I knew that she was going to stay for the rest of her life. And, and she did. She lived out her life with me.
1: What is the life expectancy of a pigeon?
0: It depends on the species. Um, homing pigeons like Mute, they can live 10 to 20 years. But king pigeons, which are bred for meat, can only live about 5 to 10 years. So it depends on the bird for sure.
1: What's the difference between a pet and an emotional support animal?
0: A pet is an animal that, you know, you choose to adopt and bring into your life because you want the companionship. An emotional support animal, I think, is a much deeper level of mutual giving. And so an emotional support animal um, for the first part is You need a letter by a medical professional who knows you and knows your mental health history. And so for me, like I had been talking to my psychiatrist for a bit and she noticed that consistently after I had gotten you, there was so much more motivation in my life um because for me like i have been brought up to really prioritize other people's needs as an asian woman um and an asian daughter for me i was raised to believe that i should be convenient for other people i should not have my own needs and so for me to take care of what i need is very difficult but for me to look at another being and think you know They need me and they need me to take care of myself so I can take care of them. That was a very powerful motivation for me. And it's not ideal. I know you're supposed to love yourself and you're supposed to do things for yourself. But sometimes I think that there are stepping stones on the way to that. It's very difficult to achieve that immediately. And so for me, as an emotional support animal, Mew was keyed into my emotional state If I wasn't doing well, she was highly aware of it and she would come to me and she would cuddle with me. And I know that most dogs or cats will probably do that to some extent, but I think an emotional support animal is just, they are not necessarily trained like a service animal, but they have to be keyed into your emotional state to a certain extent. And they also have to be given paperwork by some form of medical professional.
1: You've had other pigeons since Mew. Will you tell me about this family? Yes, I have fostered several birds
0: that I did not end up adopting. Um, Pigeons are fantastic pets that I don't think a lot of people are aware of. I think when people think of pet birds, they think of parrots, parakeets, um, and they're also beautiful birds. They're very intelligent But I think the difference is that most parrots are not domesticated. They are just tamed. So the difference is that domestication means that the species has gone through selective breeding over probably thousands of years to specifically look for traits that um, are compatible with human life and parrots are not domesticated. They were just taken out of the wild. And if you raise a baby parrot in a human home, then they can adapt to that and parrots and humans can form incredible bonds. But pigeons were the one of the first domesticated birds in existence. Um, we had bred them for thousands of years for meat, for carrying messages, for companionship. As a result, they are very compatible with living in closeness with humans. They are are surprisingly mellow creatures when they have their general needs provided for pigeons are kind of like cats with wings they are not that energetic to be honest um we call them masters of the leisure sports they love to just hang out and they'll take care of their feathers and they'll nap throughout the day. But then when they want attention, they'll come to you. So they are emotionally like hilarious little birds. They have their own quirks and they're very loyal animals. They mate for life. So it's very rare for a pigeon to um, date around (laughs) once they've settled down. But if they're bonded with you, they are incredibly dedicated. And if they're bonded with another bird, it's really lovely to see them, you know, live their lives together. They're just constantly loving on each other, constantly snuggling. They take turns on the eggs. But I think just a lot of people end up being really surprised by how emotionally invested pigeons can be in your life. And so I adopted my ego, um, the pigeon I currently have back in August I believe of last year and I didn't actually seek out that go I had been in touch with the rescue I was devastated after me died like I don't I don't know how to describe it I think anyone who has lost a pet or a loved one knows how that feels but also like You had been a constant in my life throughout the darkest times. Um, When I was facing like the effects of my trauma for the very first time, when I was deeply depressed and I couldn't get out of bed, you know, she was just this quiet presence that did not make me feel guilty for any of my needs or anything I needed to do to take care of myself. She was there. And I don't think that People necessarily understand how a pigeon can help but for me you know she was this quiet presence that accepted whatever I could bring that day and so after she died I just kind of lost track of time I didn't know if I was ready for another pigeon I had considered adopting a cat I thought maybe it was time for something different but see the rescue reached out to me and they said, hey, we rescued this bird named Echo and we think she might be a good fit for you. So would you be interested? And I, you know, I looked at her story. She had been hanging out in Sunnyvale, California for about a week. So she was hanging around this person's yard. And they finally caught her after a week. And I looked at her photo and I thought, you know, I'll give her a try. Um, I can commit to fostering. That way, if she's not for me, then at least I can give her a place to crash and learn to live with a human being before going on to her next home. And Echo, who I now call Ego, like the waffle, she is the cutest little puff in the existence. (laughs) She does not have a single malicious bone in her body. She has a total of two brain cells, I think. Most pigeons that I've had are so smart like they know where the food is they know my habits and Mew was keyed very closely to my own emotional state. Echo is just she does not explore she has zero curiosity she's picked out like three of her favorite spots in my apartment and that's all she does is go to those three favorite spots.
1: When you are walking around together what kind of reactions do you get from people?
0: Oh, I get a lot of double takes. Um, a lot of people think that she's a stuffed animal, which is really funny. Um, so a lot of people don't even look at her because they just assume that for some reason I'm carrying a stuffed animal like this down the street. It, what's really funny is when I'm walking through a really busy area, I just hear this Doppler effect of there's a bird, burr bird, 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 So like, <laughs> like as I walk past people, I'll just hear there's a bird and then they fade away. And then the next person, there's a bird
1: and they fade away. When you had Mew and you would say, you know, this is my emotional support pigeon, would people ever minimize that and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, you're emotional support pigeon. Would they do that? And how would you respond?
0: I think that if someone is willing to say their thoughts to me, I actually preferred that because then we could have a dialogue, right? The hardest for me is when someone is just like, ew, a pigeon, and then walks away because there's no opening for conversation. there. There's no open-mindedness to hearing anything. But a lot of what I heard was just sort of like, how can a pigeon be helpful to you? And it's because pigeons have this role in our society as rats with wings. They live outside. They're dirty. um, They're overpopulated. And I will say they are overpopulated. That's not their fault, but they are. And um, as a result, like anytime humans and animals exist closely together, especially in urban settings, there's always going to be that conflict. Um, You'll notice that a lot of the species we hate are the ones that are most successful in adapting alongside us. And pigeons are just, um, they have this role in society where they're just seen as like pests um, they're almost invisible like you'll notice people who are very excited about animals oftentimes they just look right past the pigeon because they're so common and I think it's fascinating to know that pigeons came to live with humans first as a sign of nobility they were a status of the like a status symbol of the upper class and The reason that they fell from grace is actually because they reproduced too quickly. They could no longer be exclusive to the upper class. And I think once they realized, like, oh, you know, it's not special anymore to have a pigeon because everyone can have a pigeon, then they threw them out because they didn't want them anymore because they couldn't control how many (laughs) existed. And so we humans sort of have this obsession with rarity and we see common things as less valuable. So I think people are going into a conversation with all of that prejudice, I guess, against them. And so people usually what they'll say is, how would a pigeon help you emotionally? Or like, aren't they dirty? Don't they poop everywhere? Most of the time, I found that if I am willing to start that conversation with people, if I don't react offensively, and I have the energy to spare that day, people usually are willing to be surprised, which I think is a lovely thing to learn about humans. If I tell people that she loves snuggling, that sparks their interest. They're just like, really? Pigeons can snuggle. And that opens the door for me to tell them, you know, she knows when I'm sad. She'll come right up to me, like right here on my shoulder, up against my neck. And it's really wonderful to see that often, not always, people's faces will change. They'll smile, they'll be surprised, and they'll leave that conversation and tell me like, you know i never knew that pigeons could be so sweet and i think that's a lovely thing that's very valuable for me to learn also because i am used to looking for the bad in the world and it's just my natural tendency i really try to fight it but there is a lot to be upset about and on my worst days i don't necessarily have the energy to tell people like like to go through the whole spiel so sometimes on my worst days i'm just like you know i don't have the energy for this i'll just walk away but On my better days, I noticed that if I am willing to meet people with open mindedness, they often also show that back to me. And so by and large, when people see one of my birds with me when I'm outside, I like to stop. I like to offer like, hey, you can pet her if you'd like. And I think once they feel how soft they are, um, once they sort of just get to observe a pigeon in proximity, they realize, like, this is a real being with real thoughts and feelings. And usually I think people go away with a slightly improved view of pigeons, and that makes me really happy.
1: Which is kind of interesting because I'm doing this show about uncommon emotional support animals, but it sounds like what you're saying is that pigeons should be sort of a default emotional support animal, yeah?
0: I think they're they're very well suited for it. And of course, not every pigeon has the temperament. I've met pigeons that don't want to live with people. They want to live with other birds. And in that case, we find them an aviary to live in. Um, but I think they're like, maybe I've just gotten super lucky. Actually, I have gotten super lucky. People have repeatedly told me this. I happened across pigeons that were very suited for living indoors with humans. And... I didn't know this when I first adopted you either. I just thought, you know, like, I think she needs somewhere to go. I think I would enjoy living with a pigeon. So let's try it. But after knowing Mew and her wife, Arcus, um, they were bonded together. And just seeing how much love they are capable of for humans and for each other. I think it should be the default. We are the reason they're here in the first place, right? We are the ones who bred them for all sorts of purposes and domesticated them and then dumped them. The other thing is I think people think pigeons are really messy and spread diseases. Pigeons love being clean. They love bathing. The reason they're dirty is because our cities are so dirty and they're bathing in dirty water. And so Mew was an all-white pigeon. I never had to bathe her with the exception of one time when she jumped into my spaghetti and was orange for a little bit. But aside from that, I never had to bathe her. She loved bathing herself and she was pure white and she maintained that all on her own. But that's because she lives in a clean environment where she has access to clean water. Like they're such good pets. They are so funny and so emotional and so loyal when they love you they love you so hard and so I think part of it is just telling people that this is an option they don't have to love pigeons the way I do but I think being open to that as an option whereas the default option is usually cats dogs or parrots Um, just knowing that you know these they exist and we breed them so much and so many of them need homes that if you have the room if you have the lifestyle that Fits with them, why not give it a try? I'm just opening that possibility up.
1: Do you have any pigeon tattoos? No, but it is
0: in progress. I have long wanted to get a tattoo of Mew and Arcus together, and I think I know which artist I want. Mew, as important as my story with her was to me, I think that the best part of living with her was actually watching her and Arcus fall in love. I'm so happy I got to see their love story and I want them to be together in that tattoo. And I have to get it. I know I will get it because they loved each other so deeply and Arcus ended up passing away from a tumor under her wing. She was half king pigeon and king pigeons are bred for meat. So they are not bred to live good, healthy lives. They are bred to be as big as possible. So Arcus lived seven, almost seven years, um, which is a pretty solid lifespan for like a half king pigeon. But yeah, she developed this tumor under her wing and Mew stayed by her side the whole time. Um, she took care of Arcus. She cuddled with Arcus. She always kept her feathers in order. And it was heartbreaking to see Arcus decline because she I, I could talk for like three hours about Arcus also. But this is a story that like always gets me. Mew um, loved Arcus very deeply. The day that Arcus passed away, I was actually holding her and Mew was right next to me. And I put her in the cage so that Mew could spend some time with her body because that's what Palomacy recommends. Just give them time to see and understand what happens. Um, so I left Arcus there with Mew for a couple of hours. And finally I took Arcus away. And that day was the first day in years that Mew came to me in my bed. Um, she came back to snuggle with me and she sought comfort from me. She did her rumbling sound for me in the for the first time in years and she slept with me in my bed that night because i think we both needed that comfort and she 100 percent understood what happened
1: so you were her emotional support human and you know
0: it was time for me to return that favor she loved her wife deeply and i love argus deeply and i think both of us we needed each other But it was just the fact that it was so stark, right? Even the day before she wouldn't associate with me because she was too busy taking care of her wife. But after her wife died, she knew and she was grieving too. And both of us, all we could do was find comfort in in each other at that point.
1: I did not expect to be crying about pigeons this morning. (laughs) They're so emotional and they're so incredible. Cynthia, Zoe, and Ego, thank you so much for talking with me. Of
0: course. Thank you for asking and caring enough to ask. I think that means a lot to me, and it's, it's just a way for more people to learn, so I really appreciate that too.
1: When we get back, life with Hamlet, the emotional support pig. Plus, what can a sugar glider do for a woman who's had brain surgery?
2: When I was having anxiety, he would listen to my heart rate
1: and I would be able to use his behaviors to refocus myself. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is audacious. Stay with me. Rise up this morning. Smile with the rising sun. Three little birds, support for this podcast comes from Hartford Healthcare I like to talk about social isolation as not just that individual's problem, but it's a community problem or it's a family problem. We need to connect with others. We can take space at times as well, but we need to step out of our comfort zone and do things to connect with other people. It's life-saving. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. This is Audacious. I'm Kion Wolf. Emotional support animals are sort of in a gray area. They're pets in some ways, sure, but they're not service animals. Those are defined as dogs, only dogs, who are trained to do work or perform tasks for the benefit of an individual with a disability. To have an emotional support animal is to live in this middle space where, without the presence of this animal, a person's disability would become aggravated. When Ariana Preuss... Was a junior in high school, she didn't realize that the sugar glider she adopted would become an emotional support animal. She had had migraines her whole life, and after an MRI, the doctors diagnosed her with a brain malformation called Chiari, where her cerebellum was sitting lower onto her spine and brain stem, causing all of this pain. And as she was experiencing the pain and anxiety around her condition and the upcoming surgery, She began training her sugar glider, Zabu, to help her through it. Now, before we go any further, if you're not familiar, a few descriptive words on sugar gliders. Think of a tiny flying squirrel with stretchy skin under their arms. They are small marsupials native to Australia, maxing out at around four to six ounces. They've got opposable thumbs on their back feet and long tails. And in captivity, they live 12 to 15 years. Zabu is almost nine years old now. Also, he is super cute. I asked Ariana more about that scary era in her life with the surgery. What did she want Zabu to do?
2: I was able to train him when I was having anxiety. He would listen to my heart rate and then he would be able to come out and I would be able to use his behaviors to refocus myself.
1: Could you talk about how Zabu is in your everyday life. Like, does he sleep in your bed? Do you go go out for walks? Where is he? Is he always with you?
2: Ah, uh, yeah. So back when I was in college, I had him with me everywhere, um, just because it was a safer environment. Um, they are nocturnal animals, so they sleep during the day and they're awake at night. Um, but I had him to a point where he was trained to be awake throughout the day in order to help me. But he sleeps in this big old cage over here, um, and I do have a second sugar glider to keep him company, and they can play together. Um, and they've got all kinds of toys, and I switch out their enrichment so that they have a variety of environments every once in a while.
1: You've been working with animals since you were five years old. What So you've seen a lot. What is it about sugar gliders? What is that thing?
2: Um, So for me, especially in regards to service and emotional support animals, um, something like a dog is very big and it's something that the public would be able to see. They're going to approach you, try to pet it or grab at it. Um, They're going to ask you a lot of questions, which can be really anxiety provoking. It can distract you from what you're trying to do and just really deter from what you're able to do and what the animal is able to do. Um, And so for me, I believe in being able to match the animal to the person's needs. And for me, a sugar glider is something that can sleep in my shirt. No one knows that I have him and he's able to work and do his job. And I'm able to go about my day without being interrupted.
1: When you do go out, do you bring him with you concealed?
2: Uh, Yeah, so it really depends on what I'm doing that day. My job doesn't always allow me to have him there safely just because I do work with children um, that do have behaviors that come up and so that kind of environment wouldn't be safe for him Um, but in, in environments like school or depending on the job I am doing I can bring him there too
1: How does it feel to not bring him with you when you go out?
2: It's definitely very different I have to be able to set different things in place for me to prepare for it. Um, So making sure I've taken um, any precautions like medications if I think I need it that day, Um, making sure I have everything planned out to be able to think in anything in advance that may come up that um, may be out of my control and thinking about where are environments that I can go that would be safe for me to deal with what I need to do Whereas if I have him with me, I'm able to deal with it in the moment much quicker.
1: When you do bring him out, if someone spots him, uh, what kind of reactions do you get?
2: So I'm usually pretty open about um, my brain surgery and everything like that. And I've always just been so willing to talk about it. And so for me, I love talking about it and being able to tell people about my sugar glider Um, that's also just because I have a background in the education department at the zoo is that was our whole job was talking about the animals. Um, so for me, that's a comfortable environment, um, when I'm prepared for it, but if not, I just kind of keep it short, um, and get through my day as best as possible without while still remaining friendly.
1: He's obviously helped you tremendously. Has he specifically helped anybody else?
2: Oh, yeah. So my little brother is actually diagnosed with autism. Um, And so I was able to integrate some of his training with him as well. Um, Two of the main things that I work on with him are um, sensory issues. So um, his claws around when you're crawling on him. When my brother first started with him, he had to layer up. He put long sleeves and hoodies on and everything and kind of building up that tolerance to the sensory things. And then we also were able to integrate being able to talk about his emotions, because um, that's something that he struggles with, is being able to identify what's going on in his body and being able to work on what that feels like and what his body's reactions are going to be. And because Zabu is so small, he has to be able to keep in mind um, the behaviors that he's going to have if he's getting really nervous, he has to be able to communicate his needs. Hey, I don't feel safe with him right now. Or can you take him from me? And so that was a really great opportunity for us to be able to work on talking about his emotions and just communicating more.
1: I would love to hear more about how you trained him. I know you use positive training techniques, but you know, like when you're having a migraine or you're in any kind of distress, how do you communicate with them to tell them like, I need this right now. I need you right now. This is what I need. How, how do you do that?
2: Uh, yeah. So just like you would train a dog or any other animal, you really just have to mark those behaviors when you do see them or kind of, um, slowly make them happen and build up those behaviors. So say if you're trying to teach an animal how to lay down, you may start with a set of things of like starting to move their legs or starting to lean and just mark each thing and immediately treat for it and kind of shape that behavior. And it was the exact same thing with him. Um, When I noticed that he would calm down when I was going through things, um, I would reward that and try to pet him and give him treats. When I started getting stressed and the same thing, I would mark that behavior If there were any behaviors that I didn't want, he wouldn't receive a treat for that.
1: That's amazing because it's hard enough to deal with what you're dealing with just by yourself. So while you're going through these stressful situations, you're also training him. And in a way, yeah, you're positively training him, but you're also in a way positively training yourself.
2: (laughs) A little bit. Yeah, I think it really helped that during the training process is... We really bonded together because when you first get a sugar glider, they're these tiny animals and they can be fear aggressive because they don't know anything about it. Just like adopting a new cat or a dog or any animal. They have no idea about the environment that they're in and you have to bond with them. And I felt like at the time that I adopted him was a perfect time to really build that bond and transition in our life changes together.
1: Here's a question I don't want to ask, and you've already thought of it, but I'm going to ask it. Um, You're likely going to outlive Zabu. Um, How are you making room for that change in yourself?
2: Uh, Yeah, so I've kind of built up my own support system and community in my life, making sure that I have um, a good support system with my family, um, friends, and partner. Um, And then I do also have a few other animals. Um, I always say my cat has the night shift. (laughs) So while he's nocturnal and I let, I give him his free time at night. Um, That is his time to relax, to take a break. Um, And my cat, she often takes that shift. And if I'm having a bad day, she suddenly appears in my room and she will cuddle with me. And just kind of taking precautions in my own life, whether it be going to doctors, going to therapy, whatever I may need in my life, I try to be proactive about those things. And definitely when he does start to get to end of life, um, that's something that I will have to decide, do I want to pursue getting another sugar glider or how I want to proceed in my life is definitely something I'll have to think about in a few years.
1: Uh, As you were talking, it occurred to me, remember we were setting up and I said, my cat might just suddenly appear. Mm -hmm. No, he hasn't, like, I feel, I feel at ease and I'm, I'm, I'm happy talking with you. Um, but when you talked about your cat taking the shift, I thought, huh, when was it that my cat's name is Whiskey? When was it that Whiskey appeared on my desk during an interview? The times that I'm thinking of have all been incredibly emotional moments. And I think I, I think I'm beginning to realize that he's more perceptive than I've, I've been giving him credit for.
2: oh no they are so perceptive that's what's been so nice about the training with my animals is they pick up on things so easily if you're going through something a lot of these animals do notice if they have that rapport and that strong bond with you
1: well ariana price and zabu thank you so much for talking with me
2: of course it was so nice to talk to you as well
1: after the break how one woman with an emotional support pig responds when people ask, Is that a pig? It's a new breed of dog, it's a hog dog. Haven't you heard?
3: And I actually had one person be like, Hmm, a hog
1: dog. I'm Kyone Wolf, this is Audacious. Be right back. This is Audacious. I'm Kion Wolf. For today's episode about uncommon emotional support animals, we thought we'd end with Hamlet.
3: To be or not to be, that is the question.
1: No, not that Hamlet. Hamlet, the 70-pound emotional support pig, and his friend Megan Peabody. Nine years ago, Megan was struggling with an eating disorder and was curious about how an animal might help her condition. At the time, she was living with someone who was allergic to dogs, so that was out. So I
3: googled domestic house pets similar to dogs. The pigs popped up. And I went down the rabbit hole of a pig and I ended up with a pig. And then I ended up being just me and the pig. So, um, that's how I got him.
1: I I thought I was gonna get a dog, and
3: didn't go with the dog. Went with the pig.
1: Now, uh, plenty of people have googled what you've googled and said, "Huh, oh, that's funny." A pig? No, I, I can see that. But most of them, I'm I'm wagering, don't get the pig. Don't get the pig. What changed in you to say I'm going to not only get the pig, but like all the ten thousand decisions that go into? preparing for psychologically, logistically, having a pig, like what shifted in you to say yes to this?
3: Truthfully, I think for a moment there, I was convinced it was going to be just like having a dog, but he's hypoallergenic and they're perpetually like having a four-year-old forever. But yeah, I I just didn't realize exactly the difference it would be. I thought he would be like having a dog and he is definitely not a dog.
1: When you are out and about with them, whether you're going for a walk or traveling, and we'll get to that in a little bit, how do people respond? Essentially like this,
3: is that a pig? And so usually like, I started saying yes, but then eventually got to a point where some people would be like, is that a pig? And I'd be like, no, it's it's a new breed of dog. It's a hog dog. Haven't you heard? And I actually had one person be like, hmm, a hog dog.
1: I love it. And like,
3: no, stop it. I'm going to stop you right now. It's really a pig. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't. <laughs> We so we lived in the Caribbean for a while, and we were at the airport in St. Thomas coming up. But this woman looked at me, and she stopped. She goes, "Is he all pig, or is he part dog too?" I th- that I didn't have anything witty to say. I was so mind blown.
1: <laughs> so, what's it like for you when you're around Hamlet? Like, because of his presence, are you needing fewer medications? One hundred percent.
3: Yes. I mean, I do I do have a lot of anxiety, but when I traveled or flew specifically, it was it was a lot easier for me to be all in. Be like, let's go do this. I can do this because come on, Hammy, let's go. And, you know, he just he, did. he sat right with me. He was honestly a better flyer than me. The distraction of also having him from other people just kind of like wanting to interact with him took me my mind off anything I was thinking about because I'm like, oh yeah, let's talk about him. But an emotional support animal, in my opinion, isn't just going to a website and getting a certificate. It's actually utilizing that to emotionally support yourself in times of need, but also being aware that that could also potentially help someone else. Like, yes, you want to pet him, pet him. That's A-okay. It's going to make you feel better, make you happy. I'd love to make you happy because it makes me
1: happy. Um, you've said that when people are uncomfortable, they seek familiarity because it provides comfort and Hamlet provides that familiarity when you're in a situation that would otherwise make you anxious. What does Hamlet do that like a familiar blanket, like bringing a baby blanket or a stuffed toy or something else that's familiar can't do?
3: I guess it's the bond. It's it's the actual interaction and comfort that comes with being able to have that kind of trust with something and the relationship's often a lot more strong and unconditional than you think when you go into a relationship with it, with a human. But when I look at Hamlet, I'm like, I just know you love me. And I guess it's also knowing that like, it kind of depends on me. So if I take care of you and you're taking care of me back, it's coming full circle. It just feels very much different than, a relationship with a person or with, you know, like you said, like a security blanket, you know, the, the circle is continuing. It's not just like an open-ended relationship. It's very helpful. It's a give and take in a sense.
1: I'm curious about the the public perception of having an emotional support animal, which to some people after the show, they'll know better, but for some people who maybe would see you out and about with Hamlet And you say, oh, well, he's my emotional support pig. And they laugh or they think you're joking or they just don't believe you. What do you say? How do you react to them? I
3: guess so. uh, How I would answer that at this point would be. Well, then why do you want to pet him? Nine times out of ten, people do get excited to see a pig. And having something that ignites happiness in others makes me feel better. And I think that that's a big impact on the emotional support is it's the interaction. It's a distraction in a sense. When we started, I was more uncomfortable and I, I was like, nope, I'm like, I have my pig fruit. Like, let me just sit down. Like, nobody talk to me. I, this is where I am. But the more things happened, the more it helped me open up. So I guess actually, now that that was just verbalized, I, he 100% did his job because yeah, we we were very much more isolated. And if it weren't for him, I wouldn't have opened up. I wouldn't have interacted or been distracted. And I wouldn't have the mindset I have now about it. Oh, look
1: at me grow. Look at you grow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You had mentioned uh, that at one point you were struggling with uh, an eating disorder uh, and anxiety. What has he helped you with? Has he helped you with the eating disorder as well? And and currently, if to the degree to which you're okay talking about this stuff, what is he helping you with?
3: I realized a lot more things were okay than I thought were okay, and I'm gonna love that pig his whole entire life. I don't care what he well, I do care what he eats. I want to be healthy, but um, it doesn't matter. And I I do think at the end of the day, having him. And when it was just the pig and me, yeah, I think I I took a couple lessons from him in what was okay. And he did help me get to a point where I felt like it was time to make some changes or at least feel comfortable to try or confident enough to try. And even when I failed, which multiple times I did, he wasn't going anywhere. He still looked at me the same. He still wanted, he still expected the same things from me regardless of the things I was struggling with. And I know that there, you know, you have relationships in your life that will do the same thing with people, but I didn't have a person. I had a pig. And I also knew that in my attempts, if I failed, well, he'd get it. And Yeah. I think he really helped me kind of discover a sense of self that reminded me that it's not really about how I look or what I weigh. It's, it's really about who I am and I didn't know who I was.
1: What's changed about the way that you've talked about this over the past nine years? So there was a period of time where he
3: went on every plane with me and then I Got a little more brave or more secure. And he didn't come on the planes anymore with me. I changed in my ability to one kind of come out of my shell or take chances and do things that I before would say, like, yeah, I'll do that and not really ever do it. Or I could, but I won't. And now it's wow, eight years ago, I was flying everywhere with a pig because because it was my emotional support animal. And because of that, I don't need as much emotional support from an outside source anymore. It really taught me to be okay and understand the situation in a way that I wouldn't have been able to rationalize or wrap my brain around that form of anxiety or fear before. And now because of this, I do.
1: Yeah, so in a way, it sounds like you're saying that while he will be your emotional support pig forever and ever, that in a way he didn't make himself obsolete, but he made himself not um, mandatory for you to be a happy, healthy person.
3: Yes. And I never expected that at first. I was like, oh my God, where has this been in my life? I've needed this. This is, this fixes my situation. But I didn't think the situation could be fixed if he was not always present. And uh it was so beneficial for me and my my fears or my anxiety or my history to have him there. I didn't I didn't realize I was growing when I was growing. I haven't flown with him since 2018. And yeah, I, I suppose it had maybe had you not ever asked that question, I wouldn't even have put it together that, wow, okay, an emotional support animal. It doesn't have to be forever. I mean, he could always be my my pet pig but because of his existence and being there and helping me i no longer need that crutch when i'm traveling but i did at one point and thankfully i had a wonderful pet that helped me through that
1: if hamlet could speak english First of all, we would have to reconnect for another interview. Oh, yes. <laughs> <An> exclusive interview, <laughs> Megan. But if he could speak, what do you think he would say to you? Feed me. <laughs> <laughs> and I think,
3: um, what would he say to me? He'd probably
1: say, I'm happy. And what would you say to him?
3: Well, I'd probably cry. And... I would tell him I was also happy. And that a large reason for that is because of him. But I kind of think he knows that.
1: I interviewed two other people for this show, one who had a sugar glider, and one who had an emotional support sugar glider, and an emotional support pigeon. And there was a point where I was interviewing the lady with the pigeon, and we both started crying. And now I'm crying with you. <laughs> I tell you what, I did not expect to be crying, <laughs> talking okay. about an emotional support pig, but that's, that's how this goes, I guess.
3: And he's funny. You know, he definitely he brings a lot of joy. I don't even know if he means to do that part, but <laughs> yes. I'm very, very grateful for him.
1: Well, is there anything else that you want to make sure you say? Is there anything that I missed?
3: You know, people do get kind of frustrated and upset about emotional support animals. They think like you're just trying to get your pet on a plane for free. And you know what? A lot of times some people are. But the system doesn't do it. But a lot of times it really is like think of something you're uncomfortable doing and then think of having something comforting and familiar there for you. I wouldn't have understood it had it not happened to me, but now I think it's, it's helped me put myself in other people's shoes so much more in so many other situations. And I try to be much more understanding because of it.
1: Well, Megan Peabody and Hamlet, thank you so much for talking with me.
3: Thank you. I'm so grateful. I really, really
1: appreciate it. Audacious is always lovingly produced by me, Melody Rivera, Jessica Severin-Di Martinez, Khalil Rahman, Meg Fitzgerald, Meg Dalton, and Katie Talarski at Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford. Subscribe to Audacious, and if you liked episodes like this, which I know you did because you're at the end of the episode listening to the credits, you might like the one we did when, remember Tiger King, and a person got their arm ripped off by a tiger? We talked with that person to find out what that was like. And there's this other episode where we explore from search and rescue to police canines to the story of Laika, the first animal to orbit the earth, how the way we train our dogs says a lot about ourselves. You can hear them all at ctpublic.org audacious or wherever you get your podcasts. Send me your thoughts on emotional support animals on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kyone Wolf. And you can always send an email to audacious at ctpublic.org. Thanks for listening. You got a friend in me. You got a
2: friend in me. You got a friend in me. me.